Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable. All I could think was, welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health Podcast. Like, no, no, that's not what we're doing today. <laughs> How many times I get ready to start this, and I'm always like, Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. And I'm like, like, oh wait, no, this is yeah, the yeah. <laughs> this is our episode together. Yeah. So now that we have our technical difficulties out of the way, we spent probably ten or fifteen minutes trying to figure how to, out how to get this thing to work again. It should not be this hard. Like you, you have mics that have cords and a computer. Like plug them in and start recording. Yeah, but it only makes sense if it's really hard. Oh man. <laughs> I just want to be able to record a podcast and not to stress about this stuff. But well, now we get to do that. Yep. But we have some really, really cool questions today. I we think. do, and I know we're not going to get through them all because someone well, likes to talk too much. I must say, if it was just me, I could knock all these out in one episode. You will be lucky if we make it like past two questions. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't have an argument for that one because he knows it's true. Yeah. But so let's not waste any time. Uh, go ahead and take off the first question. All right. First question. Lindsay S. Are you supposed to maintain your weight at the end of a calorie deficit? Came from a post stating that you won't maintain your lowest weight in a deficit. What do you think? Yeah. So, so Lindsay uh, reached out to me and asked me on Instagram because I had shared a post like this on my story. And she asked about this and wanted me to go into a little bit deeper on the podcast. And I thought it was a great topic. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people don't talk about this much. And it's no, I, I, you never really hear anyone talk about this. It's always, okay, what's the lowest weight I can get to? Yeah. And I think it's just, it, and it's actually kind of a little bit unfortunate because I think that it, people are setting themselves up for feeling like they failed because yeah. you're not going to maintain your lowest weight. And I always explain it this way, guys. Think about it. You are literally going to be eating more food and have more food in your body. When you are in a calorie deficit, at the end of your calorie deficit, you know, we've probably cut some calories down, you know, and I say pretty low, not saying like extremely low, but we cut them, we cut calories down. So you have less water weight, you have, you know, less because of less glycogen from the carbs you were eating, you have just less food in your body. And then as you're starting to eat more, and you're probably gonna train a little bit harder because you have more food in your body. Um, and because of that, you're gonna see some more water retention and just food mass. Like food actually weighs a certain amount of weight. And so, like I always I always like to use this analogy. Imagine if you go to stand on a scale and you weigh yourself, and then Brev and I hand you a couple apples, the scale's going to go up. But it's not body fat. It's apples that are in your hands. Well, what's the difference between having apples in your hand versus apples in your stomach? Very, like, broad explanation of that, but just basically saying, like, food weighs stuff. Like, right? Like, you're going to have more food in your body more often, so the scale is going to go up a little bit. But a trend we go commonly see and um, I'd love for to hear you like kind of go through like you know how fast we increase calories back kind of determines how quickly that changes. But we're gonna see an increase in the scale, but it's not body fat. You'll see that little bit of an increase, and then it'll flatten out. But do you want to dive in a little more about that? Yeah. So once you get to the end of a calorie deficit, um, you're probably going to once you hit I hate the word, but we all know we're talking about your goal weight or your goal body composition at the end of the diet, or you just kind of exhausted the calorie deficit at that point and you're ready to not be dieting. Um, you're going to go through a reverse diet. And I say that kind of laughingly, um, because there is, um, 
reverse dieting is is massive in the fitness industry in the past couple years and and i myself was a huge proponent of like oh my gosh reverse dieting is amazing (laughs) and it's gonna help with all this stuff and it's unfortunately just not backed by the research anymore um i can't confidently say as an evidence-based coach that um, reverse dieting works Um, for the population that it might work for the best is the population that probably needs it the best the people that aren't having to go through a bunch of fat loss phases because they respond really well um and, and the people that, that do need to go through a reverse diet, it probably isn't going to work the way you think it's going to. So generally, with all that said, that's a whole nother topic, um, but just something I, I definitely wanted to bring up. Uh, with that said, you're pretty much going to jump to kind of the lower end of your maintenance calories. Um, so you can use like a total daily energy expenditure calculator, or if you've been working with a coach for a while, um, they'll have an idea of where your um your maintenance calories are, and you can jump to the lower end of that. Um, you are going to see, like Chase said, you are going to see some scale weight fluctuations, and that's okay um, because we don't attach our self-worth to the scale, um, but you, you would literally have more food in your stomach. Um, he, he went over all that. Um, I think one of the big ones is when you are in a calorie deficit, one of the things that we generally are lower on is carbs, not because carbs make you fat or store fat or anything <laughs> like that. Um but carbs hold more water. So while you're eating more carbs again, you're storing more water, more muscle glycogen. You have more of that in your body. Therefore, you're going to weigh more on the scale. Um, that doesn't mean your body composition is going to get any worse. And I think that's an entire another conversation we need to have is if that is an issue for you, if seeing that number goes up gives you that emotional response, then we have to work on that. Yeah, and I, and I think that's also where, you know, as I kind of mentioned as well, like when we are doing that reverse diet up, you can reverse slower or faster. And a lot of times, personally, I think it just comes down to like, what can you mentally handle? Like, you know, some people are okay with, hey, let's make a really quick jump up to the bottom end of our maintenance. And yes, you're gonna see a bigger spike on the scale probably the next couple of days. Or we can go up a little bit at a time and we'll see a smaller increase in the scale. But bottom line, guys, you're still gonna see the exact same increase yeah. either way. And, and I wanna take I wanna take this from kind of um let's go from like a, a more of like an evidence-based practice, um, thinking about that to more of the practical individual approach, which is what coaching actually is. Um you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you can't apply it to a specific person in a specific situation, then you just have knowledge. So um, when we talk about like the science application, that's where we talk about like you you don't need a reverse diet. Once you're done in the diet, you can just go back to your maintenance calories. Yes, you can build up calories from there um, because your activity levels are going to increase and you're going to um, – Kitty's attacking Chase right now. Um, you're you're going to burn more calories just because your activity level even subconsciously is going up. But I love what you said there. You can take it a little bit faster if you're comfortable with that and just get out of the diet and, and start to um, – not feel as tired and some some of the diet fatigue that you have accumulated in a diet but you can also take it a little bit slower if if you have a history of binge eating i think is a big one as well if you're just like Mm -hmm. hey diet's over we're gonna go back up and you just could eat like 700 more calories that is a that could be a big trigger for someone with binge eating so i think taking that slower approach there like is it scientifically backed and like is it needed probably not but we coach individuals. We don't coach science. Yep. Awesome. So bottom line with that is, no, the lowest weight you see on the scale is not the weight you're going to maintain in your maintenance phase. But the beauty of all of this fat loss phase stuff is 
you can always go back and find another deficit later on after you've done your due diligence inside of maintenance and you can get past that weight and continually lose even more. For sure. And and I think that, yes, we answered that question. I, I think we went a lot deeper with it. So hopefully that gives you some insight. Awesome. Next, Liz Grove asked, what supplements are good for working out and building muscles? And she dropped a couple examples, creatine, glutamine, and protein. Hit it. All right. So I am admittedly not a supplement person. I, I I don't like supplements because most people rely on supplements too much without moving the big rocks. Um, so we talk about like big rocks. Those are things like consistency, strength training, protein intake, um, sleep, stress management, all of these things. Those are the big rocks and supplements are the very tiny pebbles or the sand. And most people try to fill up their bucket just with sand without moving the big rocks in there first. No room left for the big rocks. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and then that just leads to burnout and, and you're also just wasting a bunch of money. So I do have a, and I believe you do too, uh, a supplement list of like, hey, here are things that are like really beneficial to hear things that are a waste of money. Hint, most of my things are a waste of money. Um, <laughs> things that I think are beneficial for every single person with a big asterisk next to it. And I will explain those. Protein, I think is beneficial for everyone, especially if you struggle to get your protein in or you just need a little bit of help. But I'm always going to advocate for whole food sources first, but yep. supplementation is not bad. Just don't over rely on it. We don't want you having three protein shakes a day. Now, if you're just starting out, that's fine. We're going to work your way up to more whole foods. Um, creatine, creatine monohydrate. All the other creatines are bullshit. Um, don't take them. It's a waste of money. Um, it is the cheapest and most heavily researched and science backed supplement. It is fantastic. If your goal is building muscle, improving your body composition and you are strength training, I think that is necessary for everyone, period. Won't creatine make you bulky? Oh, yeah. Creatine will make you so bulky. No. Uh, creatine, <laughs> one, of the, one of the claims that people make is that creatine makes you gain weight um, because it, it stores water. And if it stores water, it's doing exactly what it needs to do. It's a transient effect, um, but it is literally pulling in more water into your muscles that are going to aid in recovery, muscle building, all these kind of great things. Um, creatine is fantastic, completely safe, and anyone that tells you otherwise, hit them and run away. Yeah, it, it's honestly even good for like even like younger like I don't say kids but like teenagers and things like that. Yeah, like, it's great for it. brain health. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that but also um, and what we kind of think of that is um, I've even heard of people saying like you know they start taking it and then like their their parents or grandparents are like is that a steroid? Like why are you taking that? Like no, it's- creatine is a steroid. You heard it here first. <laughs> we are not natty. <laughs> Well, you have to, we have to remember to take our creatine first. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. I will say um, the, the capsules. creatine capsules are a hack. They are so much easier. Leave them out in sight. Um, I do want to note a couple more um, supplements that I think can be beneficial for people. Um, I think fish oils um, can be beneficial. I think with the right dosages can be good. Um, I think that vitamin C can be beneficial. Um, I think magnesium glycinate can be beneficial. Um, I, I think there are supplements out there that can be beneficial, but they are exactly what they sound like supplements to a healthy, um, diverse diet, Yeah, exercise, I'm, sleep, stress management. Those are the best supplements you can have. Yeah. I, I'm always going to go back to, I, I love my analogy. I use it all the time when I talk about supplements is like supplements are the sprinkles on your cake. If your cake sucks and your cake is burnt, 
or you forgot to leave or you forgot to put it in the sugar or things like that, no matter what amount of sugar sprinkles you put on the cake, it's still gonna taste like butt. Like it's not yeah, it just, it's it's not good. So like it's just gonna be a shitty cake with sprinkles. Exactly. <laughs> so like let's let's try to take care of the other things first. Like you mentioned the sleep, the exercise, the activity, the food, all of the th- those things first. And if you got all things all those things in line, perfect. Let's do it. And actually, I made a post about this this week um, that it, it is kind of funny. It kind of works with this as well. Like uh, my post was, it's not your metabolism and it's not your hormones that's causing you to struggle with fat loss. You're just not moving the big rocks first and you're looking for other reasons why. Um, if you can strength train two to four times per week, if you can hit a calorie goal, if you can hit a protein goal, if you can move and walk, let's say 8,000 steps a day and you can sleep eight hours a day and focus on stress management. Those are the best supplements you can ever have. The other stuff is going to get you, um, it's, it's what I call like the 90% and the 10%. That stuff is the 90%, the 10% of supplements. You're going to get 90% of the results you ever were. If you move the big rocks first, the supplements are going to help take you the, over the finish line. Yep. Well said. Cool. You want to hit us with number three? Yes. KDH. I've been working out for a year now and recently started creating my own workouts. What are the best ways to do this? Is it best to create an upper and lower body day and keep those in a rotating schedule or is it okay to change it up every week? I'm currently still trying to lose weight yet gain muscle. That is a fantastic question. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is like a lot of different questions packed into this one. This is so, your Katie, right? Yes. This is What's Katie. Up, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. This is Katie. Um, was working with me for just, just left our program. I, I would, a I'm bit not going to try to pronounce your last name. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to know that. That is, it's a last name for sure. I think I have a hard last name. <laughs> um, we're going to split this up in a couple of different questions. I think it's important to answer yeah, these. Let, yeah, I, I think taking it point by point is good. Um, so let's start out with um, what are the best ways to do this? Um, so creating a kind of template program. Um, so let's say you have a new client come in. Like what are the things we're looking for when we're creating a program? Yeah, so so we need to look at like, first, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. How many days a week are you going to be working out? And there's not a right or wrong answer to that question. We're not looking for an answer when we ask you that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it could be we can see progress at two days. It's going to be a little harder at two days, but we can see progress or, you know, anywhere from like five to six days. Again, like if you're if you're training six to seven, that's a whole other conversation. Maybe we're not training hard enough. Exactly. So um, but first, how many days you're working out? And all this is just, again, not right or wrong answers. It's for me to gather information so then we can then talk about what we're going to do next. So first, how many days are you training? Because, for example, if you're going to be working two days a week, then we'll probably do two full body days. If you're working three, I'll probably either do three full body days or maybe a push-pull leg split, or maybe we'll do a um, upper-lower full split. There's a few different ways we could do that. If you're doing a four-day split, we can do upper-lower, upper-lower, push-pull leg full. Like there's The like- cool part about programming is, is honestly it's an art. Um, you, there's not a right or wrong way to do it. We were actually having this conversation yeah, earlier. Say that. Um, there's not a right or wrong way to do it. As long as you can answer this one question, why did you do that? Yeah. Why do you have that split? Why do you have that exercise? Why do you have that rep range? If there's a reason behind it and it makes sense, awesome. Let's do it. I think a lot of people, um, either overcomplicate or way oversimplify their, their programming. You can make progress on a shitty program. Yeah. Yes, you can obviously make a lot better progress on a really good program, Absolutely. but you can still make progress on a shitty program. Yeah. And so after we know how many days you're working out, you know, then you know, how long do you have? I mean, like that one's not 
super important. Unless I mean, like, if it's like I only have ten minutes or fifteen minutes, okay, that's different. But like, forty-five, sixty minutes. Every single person listening to this podcast has at least two hours a week to dedicate to exercise. I I would argue that as well. Yes, you brought up a very good point there. Um, and then we need to make sure look at like how often we're training certain muscle groups and and this goes again like as Brevin said that there are really no right or wrong answers here. There are better options, but if, as long as you're training close to failure with all these exercises, you're going to see some progress. And that's exactly, I think the point I was trying to make there is you can have a relatively like shitty program, but as long as you're executing it well, you're training really hard and outside of the gym stuff, like nutrition, sleep, hydration are all on point. You're going to make progress. Now you're, you can make significantly more progress with a really well structured, scientifically written program, but I think a lot of people over rely on their program and still don't train hard enough. So make sure that's number one, because that's the number one indicator of muscle growth is how hard you're training. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then we need to look at like how we're splitting up. Are we, are we doing enough for each of the body parts? Like, and even if you were somebody and I've, I've heard this before, well, I don't want to grow my arms. Okay. I understand that, but we still need to train arms. All right, I, I do want to put one caveat in there for this one. I promise you. You will not get too big. I have been trying to get too big for years, right? And I'm still not there. I've been trying to get too big. Well, I'm too and big too in strong. other ways. <laughs> <laughs> I've been aggressively trying to get too big and too strong for years, and I'm still not too big or too strong. It takes a lot of eating, eating in a surplus for a long time, training really hard, training really, really well and super consistently. So if you're like just starting out or you haven't really trained super, super hard or like you only train two days a week, you're not, you're not going to get too big. I promise you being strong is awesome. Being, being big and, and having muscle mass is awesome. Yes, it is. And, and fat loss hack it's actually gonna make fat loss a little bit easier too. The yeah. more lean muscle mass you have, the higher metabolism is gonna be. So, yeah. just throwing that out there for anyone who's like, "But I want to lose weight." Guess what? If you put on a ton of muscle mass, it's gonna make it so well, much and, easier. And this is the post I made yesterday. I think is uh, the the most underrated way to change your your body is is to put muscle mass on. If you add five yeah. to ten pounds of of muscle to your current frame. You're going to look significantly different. You lose five pounds, you're not going to look that different. So like that is, and, and even outside of body composition, there's so many reasons to lift. A whole nother conversation, but um, let's jump into the second part of her question. Um, I think this is a really good one. I think we covered um, kind of the first one on what you need to do as far as the split, but is it okay to um, rotate these in a schedule. So I'm assuming she means doing week every single week or to change it up weekly. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to like, again, this all kind of goes back to your goal at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong. If you're just doing this just to get active, you can do whatever you want. Like if you want to change it up every week, that's not optimal by any means. So I'm not saying that, but I do think if you're just trying to get more movement in, sure, go for it. But if you are trying to make progress and progressively overload, see hypertrophy, which is growing that muscle mass, then you should have some sort of structure and keep the same program week to week to week to build on that and get closer and closer to failure as you go along your throughout your program. Yeah, for sure. I think that 
one of the biggest mistakes I see with people who are struggling to put on muscle mass is changing things far too frequently. Every time you change, we're getting a little nerdy here. Every time you change, there is a uh, an aspect of motor learning that you have to go through with each of these new movements where you're, you're getting comfortable with the movement. You're trying to find the settings on the machine that work for you. You're trying to get comfortable in the movement, find the weights. Um, so you're not training close enough to failure to actually elicit that response. So every time you, if you do that, every four, if you change your program, even every four weeks, mm-hmm. the first week or two, you're still getting comfortable. So now you're only really getting two weeks before you change that up of training hard enough to elicit a growth response. So I would say a minimum of like six weeks. Um, now, now you can change out like a bicep curl, the, the movements that are like single joint movements that don't have a lot of learning um, with them or like a, a hammer curl to a, a regular curl to a, an easy bar curl to a preacher curl. Like none of those are really going to make that big of a difference. So change those on like a, a four week basis, but I would keep everything else for as long as you can until you truly plateau where you're, you've gone for two or three weeks without making progress on that lift um, where you're not getting more reps or having more weight or any of that stuff. But there's also a lot of other ways to progress as well. So I think try to keep them in like some of the bigger movements in for like 12 weeks. Yeah. And just because I've heard this before, what about tricking the muscle? <laughs> I wish we could trick the muscle. Um, the muscle doesn't have a brain. It cannot be tricked, unlike us who got tricked by that statement. <laughs> ah, I love it. <laughs> um, you, you can't <laughs> shock the muscle. Um, unfortunately, the muscles aren't that smart. They, they know tension, and that is it. They know, are you putting mechanical tension through that muscle with the movement, and are you doing enough, getting close enough to failure where you're going to have to grow. So the, the best way to look at this is like the reason muscle growth is because you're, you're quote unquote damaging the muscle and it has to be stronger for the next time to prepare for that to happen again. Um, that's like the simplest layman terms way that I can put it there. So you have to continue to grow. Yep. Well said. And I think another thing I want to point on before we go into that very last question she asked about uh losing weight and gaining muscle yes i want to touch on this as well i I do but before we go into that i want to make sure one thing we kind of glazed over a little bit is making sure we're hitting all the different types of muscle groups and making sure you're doing um different movement patterns as well yeah yeah yeah. squat hinge lunge um push pull and and some sort of core movement exactly so i just want to make sure i threw that in there as well when you're designing a program we do need to make sure we're going through all these functional movements as well to in- include some of those in each of our programs. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're you're just like general health, you're not a, a power lifter or bodybuilder or anything like that. Squat, hinge, push, pull, um, some sort of overhead movement and some sort of core movement. Um, you can even throw like under the squat, like a, a single leg movement in there as well. Uh, I, I do, I'll give you some, some practical recommendations here as well um, with volume. I think that if you can hit between six to 15 sets per muscle group per week, on each muscle group, you're going to set yourself up in a fantastic spot. And that's counting direct volume. So if you're doing, let's say a squat, that's, that's count, that's counting towards your glutes, your, and your quads. So like direct volume would be three sets to your, your quads there. And then a leg extension would be three sets, um, to your quads there. That's six sets that hits your minimum recommendation right there. Um, so just don't overcomplicate it. Um, an easy way that I'll do it with clients is like, I'll just write down all the muscle groups. So like chest, triceps, biceps, shoulders, and like just count up how many sets I have over the course of the week and go from there. Yep. Well said. All right, cool. I'm gonna let you dive into that last part. Intensity. Um, because that is the main yeah, driver of hypertrophy, true. not volume. Almost never is it the issue of I don't have enough volume. Most of the time it's too much volume. 
um, is train between zero and three reps in reserve. So zero reps in reserve means you hit true failure. You can't do another rep. Um, so train between zero and three reps in reserve. So it is it is tough training even at three reps. Um, but those are just some practical recommendations to think about. Yeah. And so what about gaining muscle and losing fat? Yes. Um, I think this is a fantastic question. Um, that is called body recomposition. So you're not replacing the fat with muscle. You're just simultaneously losing fat and gaining muscle. And this can happen in a couple different scenarios. Um, you're a chronic under eater and you've never actually fueled your body while training. If you start to fuel your body, you can see some body recomposition. This was me. Um, it was in a really, really cool spot. Um, I was under eating for a very long time and still working out. So I was still seeing some muscle growth, but it was probably a little bit slower than it could have been. Once I finally started to eat, I was like, holy crap, I'm my, I weigh the exact same, but I look very different. Um, if you're someone who has um, been a chronic dieter and, and just never trained again, kind of the same thing there. If you're someone who's never followed a well-structured program, Mm -hmm. um, and you're for the first time following a well-structured program, um, and finally training hard. Yeah, exactly. Even cause training age isn't actually how long have I been lifting because you might've been lifting for five years, but never been lifting well for five years. So if you just start now and you're lifting really intelligently and focusing on progressive overload, um, your volume's good, your intensity's good, all these things are good. You can start to see some body recomposition. Um, if you're brand new into the gym, fantastic time to see this. That is the first like six to nine months, even a year is the highest potential you have for growth. After that, it slows down a little bit. Um, and then if you have a lot of weight to lose, you can still see some body recomposition, um, which again means losing fat and building muscle at the same time. So those are kind of the four ways that we normally see body recomposition. And it's a really fucking cool thing to see. Um, like I said, I have my first progress pictures that I sent to my coach and like six months later, my other one, my weight was the exact same and I looked so much different. Mm-hmm. I look at the first photo. I'm like, dude, have you ever lifted? And I'd been lifting for almost a year at that point. Yeah. And within six months, I looked so much different because I finally started eating and finally started training intelligently. Yeah. No. And, and even like you said, it also depends on the, the type of training you're doing as well. I mean, like, and, and this is not necessarily a body composition thing, but also just as far as like training age goes, and you brought up a good point, maybe think about, you know, I've been doing progressive overload style training, um, and pretty good at it as well since 2019. And I was still, I still had probably an inkling of newbie gains throughout that towards the end, but it kind of like drained a little bit. But then once I switched to powerlifting, shock the muscle. Yeah. Just kidding. I shocked the muscle and no, um, I, I would see what I like then I, got more newbie gains. I actually, I I love that point because the way that you train, the adaptations that you train for are the things that you're going to get. So your style of training is going to dictate what response you get from that. So if you're training for strength with low reps, high weights, you're going to get a strength outcome. Um, The really cool thing though, is even during this time, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of hypertrophy, maybe not as efficiently as possible, mm-hmm. but hypertrophy is the most forgiving thing inside of training because it's not a specific outcome that we train for like strength, endurance, power. Those are all, all things that we specifically train for with our rep ranges, our weights, intensity, stuff like that. Um, hypertrophy is more of an outcome or a consequence of training. So you can get it with six reps all the way up to 30, 30 plus reps. You can get it training so many different ways. So you can just make it more efficient, but it's a really cool thing. You can train pretty much however you want and still get some hypertrophy. Yeah, absolutely. 
and uh, Chase also underplayed that a lot. Dude got so strong so quick. <laughs> I think he put like 300 pounds on his squat. Probably. Seriously. No, actually. You were I squatting mean, like, what, 95 before? Yeah. Newbie gains are awesome. When you fuel your body, when you train hard and get really strong, it's really cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And and I guess we can just kind of chat about that for a minute because we're not going to have enough time to go into the next question. But, no, like that that's very true. And, like, it, it really surprised me, honestly, how much. Because I, like, like I said, like, I was doing a lot of hypertrophy training mm-hmm. and I was working really hard. I, I mean, I was working with Jordan Lips at the time. I mean, yeah. fantastic coach. He's a fantastic um, coach. And he, I learned a ton from him and I was able to grow a lot hypertrophy wise. It just shows how like specific training adaptations are. Yeah. Cause I, I really didn't expect, like, like I said, like when I first started squatting with, um, working with Angela, my new coach, like I, like you said, I was squatting maybe 95, maybe a hundred pounds. And I just squatted 402 at my competition. So mm-hmm. it's like that much. And even like my deadlifting, like I was repping 300 for like four or five reps. It looked ugly, <laughs> but like I was doing that. And now, you know, 450. So like it has been amazing to see how much my body's adapted to this new self training. Yeah. And again, part of my post from the other day um, was the body that you want is in, is built by chasing numbers in the gym, yes. not by chasing numbers on the scale. Um, you, you see people all the time and I know, I know I was like this. I'm sure you can attest to this as well. I chased numbers on the scale for so long, even losing 80 plus pounds before I hired my first coach. And I was like, damn, I still don't like how I look. I still don't have the look that I thought I would 80 pounds down. It's so frustrating. That's why that's one of the main reasons I hired a coach was like, what am I doing wrong? I lost 80 pounds. Like, do I really have that much more to lose? Like, I'm still so unhappy with what my body looks like. And then I started training really hard, really intelligently. And then six months later, I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, if you take one thing away from anything I say, train really hard, chase getting stronger. If your goal is to lose weight and to change your body composition and to be more confident, those are all the things I wanted. Mm-hmm. If you chase numbers in the gym and you train really hard and you start to fall in love with the process of training and beating yourself into becoming better and, and chasing strength, it doesn't have to necessarily even be hypertrophy. Chase strength. Chase like hitting a PR. Like that's one of the coolest feelings in the world being like I'm doing something I didn't know that I could before. Like when I first hit a 500 pound squat, holy shit, that was awesome. Like I was like, Damn. I'm squatting so much. Like, this is so cool. And every time you hit even a small PR, you beat yourself a little bit. It's like, this is so sick. Chase that shit and you will get the outcome that you're looking for. Chase numbers on the scale and you'll consistently be disappointed. Yeah. And actually, I'll end with, this is something I put on a post yesterday that I just, I feel like just kind of seals this all one quick saying here. If you feel like you're trying to, you've been dieting for ages and you feel like you're stuck, unsure of what your next move should be, consider not dieting for a little bit. Focus on fueling your body. Focus on getting stronger. Focus on feeling energized. Focus on your relationship with food. Focus on healing your gut. Focus on loving yourself. You're more than the diet you think you're supposed to do to be on. Fucking mic drop. No, I, I honestly, I think that's so true. Um, and again, I always go back to my journey on this and like, damn, I wish I could just slap myself and be like, stop trying to fucking diet all the time. Like it was all the time, diet, 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 diet. And I was never getting to where I wanted but, to be. But to argue that point though, that you've learned through that mm-hmm. and 
you become who you are today because of that. Yeah, journey. for sure. So, like, I think it's important, like, for you to realize, and, and, for, and I'm speaking to those listening, is like, even if that has been you, you can change. We've yeah. all been there. Like, we share our stories because we've been there, we've done this, and we want you to learn from our mistakes as we have and continue to make progress on your own. Yeah, and it takes one decision to be like, you know what? It's it, and it, it sounds so counterintuitive when you say it to yourself and you're in that position of like, I just want to lose weight. But like, I'm going to take a break from dieting for a little bit. I'm not going to diet right now. I'm going to focus on strength. I'm going to focus on building muscle. I'm going to focus on, like you said, healing your gut, loving yourself, um, focusing on all these other things inside of health and fitness. It doesn't just have to be fat loss and fat loss becomes a symptom of all this other stuff. Awesome. The faster, the harder you chase fat loss, the faster it runs away from you. Hey, I like it. Yes. All right, man. I think you know that we've we've gotten we reached our thirty minute mark here. Um, Angelique and Amy, we will get your questions next week. Um, I'm and, really excited about these questions, by the way. Yeah, they they had two very really really good questions. Um, so we'll dive into those next week. But guys, if you have any questions, let us know. Um, you can either DM one of us. We'll have both our links to Instagram down below in the show notes. There's also a link in the show notes as well that you can click on and submit your question. If you want to re- remain anonymous, we'll keep you anonymous. If you want a shout out on the show, we'll give you a shout out. Thank you to everyone who submitted one today. But anything else, Brevin? Um, I, I think that the biggest thing that I want to take away from all of this is like if you guys enjoy the show, you enjoy the questions, um, you enjoy hearing us talk about these things share it on your story, share it with someone else that you think might need to hear this, help us create more impact by other people listening to this. Um, that's all we want to ask from you guys for this. Um, this isn't a show where we're really ever going to pitch coaching or anything like that. Don't run Um, ads on this or anything. We're literally just here to help you. So help us help more people by sharing this podcast. Awesome. Well said, man. All right, guys, have a good rest of your week. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.